he gets me every time. <laughs> welcome, welcome to our first one hundred hot dog podcast, the Dog Zone with two G's and two Z's. Uh, you got to forgive our kinks and our foibles and our stumbles and bumbles. Uh, we're having a lot of audio problems. Um, I think I we might be asking for any forgiveness. You know what? Yeah, fuck it. I'm not fuck either. It. Fuck if it. You don't, fuck you. If you How don't like you. it, you can come fucking try to kick my ass. That's what I say. <laughs> fucking jump out of your truck and say, "Us oh, for that podcast, motherfucker." This is a really confrontational, unfriendly <laughs> start, and I think it's, it's it's spot on. What it this is exactly what I was talking about. Forgive me for all of that. I take back the not wanting forgiveness thing. That's I'm taking my one out of seven forgivenesses <laughs> now. I get six more. Uh, I wish so, this podcast was just that theme song. <laughs> it really is a great theme song. Uh, thank you to Oral Knots, uh, who actually wrote Oral Knots. Zach wrote an article on our website about uh, the weird shit he. Uh, keeps getting sold on Wish, which I think uh, only sells insane products, as far as I can tell. It was so good. I, uh, they only sell insane products, and somehow he found the worst of them. Right. I'm not sure how he did that. What sort of like bargains, sideways too. dimension he slipped into that people will sell him those things. And I, I worry for his soul, but I thank him for his sacrifice. Maybe he's got a sweet dick basket. Like he had like those bargain dick baskets you could buy, like the little that like, you stuff them in the front of your pants to, to you could, you could make your bulge them. bigger. You telling me you didn't buy any of those? No. The, the savings. <laughs> I just sorry. I just I I'm at a loss of words. I'm so upset with you. There's just there's only so many you need, and I'm full up. I'm wearing them in like several directions. I'm kind of I sort of look like a, a corn cob. I like to stack them. I like to stack. Them yeah, like cups. yeah. I, I started that way. I did a, a few just to get that. Really that way nice you can bulge. you can pull one off and be like, mm -hmm. "Yeah, I was packing. I'm sorry." Right. And then the next like, one, they will never suspect that there's exactly. a mask. Right. It's not mask. it's not appropriate for every occasion. Like if you're at a wedding and you got four dick bulges, you're like, "It's a bit much." I'm sorry. This I'll is, take this out. This, this is her a, day. It was a joke. It got it's not about hand. me. She looks beautiful. Everyone, stop talking about my penis. Play the theme song again. Let's just play it over. <laughs> <and> over. <laughs> I'm gonna play the theme song one more time. I love this. I love that plan. Okay, let me share my screen here. Oh, yeah. 1900 hot dog. 1900 hot dog. A podcast slam with maximum height. Say hot dog podcast. Word. Word. Yeah. Okay. When you taste that nitrate power, you're in the dog zone for an hour. Come on. You got the number. He gave us a, a great French price on the production. Like, we should have paid him 40 grand for that. Like, it's so tremendous. Yeah. Yeah, that was, it was worrisome that that turned out to be a thing that I could spend money on. I didn't realize that I could spend money on that up until now. And now I just measure every purchase in the amount of theme song that it could get me. I'm like, this is like a sixth of that theme song. Yeah. I'm not like spending this money. We've been doing this a long time, but I don't know if anyone's ever like trusted us with like the the budget or the money and like yeah we have made poor decisions already i th i think that one it that was not otherwise one of them. i'm not no no that. absolutely not but uh i i think that 200 dick baskets uh, uh yeah, now that, that we've discussed bad. it more i think that that was silly i think i think we were silly for doing that i mean we we did make a ball pit out of them and play in it and we had a lot of fun yeah and, and I, I don't i don't regret that but i i do 
I do see how it would look from the outside. <laughs> right. My accountant says there's some good resale on them. Like not 100% resale, of course, but like you know, we'll get most of that money back. Put them on Wish, man. Maybe that's how that site works. I don't know. I, I think we put them on Warsh, which is... It, it's just <laughs> wishes that have gone wrong. <laughs> it's, it's like five eyes and they all have umlauts, but uh, <laughs> it's it's mostly secondhand dick baskets. And, and uh, I, it's another thing I, I spent uh, $800 on that. So, I mean, we got a pretty good deal on that. Uh, I'm $800 for the server. The uh, web design cost us $36,000. So mo most of our Patreon money is going to, uh, to good use, I would say. And the negative here, guys, we need your help. This, is, this has become a fun drive. Uh, I don't have any tote bags. Please help. I, I'm trying to sell you hard on these secondhand dick baskets, but I, if I'm being honest, we have not sold any. A lot of those plastic bags from the supermarket, I will write our name on it and send it to you. <laughs> That's not a bad idea. That's yeah. the, the Roger Stone business model. Remember, he sold these those little rocks that he wrote Roger Stone on them. And look at him now. He's, he's out of prison. <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's free in the clear. Everyone loves him. You go on the internet and it's just like Roger Stone mania. So here's what I'd like to talk about on the podcast. Um, as, as listeners hopefully know, uh, we, we do 100hotdog.com where we, we take broken artifacts from the wrong dimension and we make uh, delightful jokes about them. Uh, it's not really more complicated than that, is it? Uh, sure it is. We could go on just needlessly specifying <laughs> and drilling down into it until we're absolutely define it but I, I prefer to think of it as just you know what's wrong you know when this you know not be. right and um i do uh, like like the absurdity of of like a certain sweet spot of 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 stupid like like for instance you know on the internet something will become really popular like someone will have a cabinet that sounds like chewbacca and i'll have like a million views everyone just loves the cabinet right i agree with them that's it's fine but i'm not the kind of person that like can talk about Chewbacca cabinet. This is probably the longest conversation I've had about a Chewbacca cabinet. But then is Chewbacca cabinet real? Because let's, let's yeah, just there's a Chewbacca and... cabinet, and it's okay. it's a bit fascinating. And uh, but then there tends to be a trend of people doing Chewbacca cabinet like things, like hey, the, my closet sort of sounds like you know uh, Al Roker, Pond I don't Pondo know. Baba. I'm, I was trying to think of a, a good Star Wars character, but Mons Pubis, like he was one of the guys from the Cantina, Mons Pubis, and so. You're like, look, look, like my shower sounds like Mons Pubis. And then, of course, you're like, that gets worse and worse and worse. And then someone will come in and do like a book on like the Chewbacca cabinet saga. And it'll be like the autobiography of the person who had this weird cabinet. The, and the see, many tragedies they've suffered. Right, in their life. right. Or like what the it's thing like that being made a, them the human they are. Yeah, today. yeah. What it's like being a cabinet star and like how they became a cabinet star and how they dealt with, you know, stardom. How and that still, fame turned on them and the inevitable fall. <laughs> Right. So the sweet spot for me, like the thing I would say, this is a 1-900-hot-dog article, is taking that book and making fun of that book. So it's like a couple of layers removed from something popular or cliche in a, like a sort of a special section of someone who just doesn't understand how the world should work. And they just they, they went too far. That's, for me, I think, helps people understand the site. It's like a, a book about the saga of the Chewbacca cabinet. Yeah, that like a badly written those, book. One of those Twitter books when they just kept making books about Twitter. Right. One of those Twitter books, actually reading it and going through all of the, like when they run out of things to say, because they will run out of things to say. So it's like chapter seven of a Twitter book. <laughs> You're like, uh-oh. Oh no, what this are we is, doing This here? is due, isn't it? 
people are going to try to read this. What I would like to talk about first with you, um, my illustrious colleague, is 101 Weapons for Women, which was a book I did on our first week of our new website, our new wildly popular and delightful website. This was uh, uh, written by a man named Rodney R. Ice, R. Rice. And I looked all over the internet for more information on this guy. And aside from this book, I can't find him anywhere, which is kind of unusual for a karate author. They tend to at least have like a little Facebook page for their school or something. Right. Like the end game of a karate author is not to write a book about karate. <laughs> right. Have, like this. It's something beyond that. So, One of Them Weapons for Women is, um, it's one of those great, like, maybe wrongly gendered books or, or overly gendered books where like, there's no reason for it to be about women. Like, I think men get attacked as often or more than women. So to, speci to specify, oh, you as the target of this attack are a woman and so I have a special weapon just for you. It's, it's already suspicious. Like, I'm not sure you, you get how shit works, buddy. And it's like sure putting enough, those uh, tactile grips on a shampoo bottle and saying, this right. is for men. For men. I have a theory that they don't even fucking think those are for men. I think that's just because we give it attention. Like, I think when people make fun of that, like, that's as good in advertising as, like, you That'll can work. get. Why not? Why not? Yeah. This I don't have any thing. other ideas. <laughs> and then, like, like, the idea of someone being so insecure, they, they fucking, all things being equal, pick the manliest shampoo is... is that's I would have been on board with that before moving to Arizona. And now I can tell you definitively, that is not true. You've met these insecure men. I have met them. They're on wow. the street in raised pickup trucks with swear words on the back of them. And yeah, I bet Confederate guys... flags being peeing on Calvin somehow. I don't know. I bet those guys would buy some of our secondhand dick baskets. Yeah. Yeah. You it's... have to market them as having tactile grips, but I think we can manage that. I'm already really glad we're doing this podcast because this is not something we normally would have talked about and i think it's a it's a really great idea we're gonna make a million dollars so the the great I thing quit. about 100 yeah we're fucking quit writing the jokes we just full did it dick. that's our we've full escaped, day we've job. escaped jokes our goal the whole time <laughs> it's always been my dream to one day to wear pieces of plastic on my crotch just for a few days just to get them all like, softened up, get them nice. Seas I think you call it seasoning your dick basket. And then to, <laughs> to collect those and then to sell those to strange men, strange, insecure Arizonans. Uh, I mean, that's been my dream at least for a minute, at least for two minutes. There has to be a Facebook targeted demographic. And they add, when you go to buy an ad, you should have a click down menu that says insecure Arizonan men. And you just hey, let market me... straight to them. Let me open my Facebook and yes, I already have a t-shirt ad for don't mess with an Arizona man with nine dick baskets whose entire crotch looks like a corn cob. And is born in January and born loves January. his wife. <laughs> he porks his fat wife. <laughs> that last part, she is not going to like, but what the fuck? It's my $16.99, not hers. That's one of those things where he's like, man, everything else on this shirt is really true about me. There's just one thing that's off, and she's not going to like it, but I got to do it. You got to do it. So what, what makes this karate book special, besides the fact that it's just for women, is that it starts off with like a quiz that you can take, and it asks if you're a target, and you can take a, a quiz. So, uh, Brockway, do you want to uh, take some of this quiz with me? 
I am so excited to take all this right, quiz. I felt like a victim this. all my life and I need confirmation. Well, uh, the previous owner of this book is named Kim Canavan and she signs her name enormously. The entire first third of the first not page. Not a victim is, then. Not a victim. Test According over. Her signature screams not a victim. So question number one, which one statement best describes your dress code? A, I prefer a more classic or traditional image. B, I like to be comfortable with room to move. Or C, I look better in clothes which show my figure. What do you think? The joke answer is C, but I want to say A, I'm a classy gentleman and I know it. You know, Kim selected that same one, but she also selected B. Basically, Kim does not ever dress sexy and spandex tuxedo pantsuit. Yeah, I think that's what Kim is dressed as. So um, that is actually uh, good for your score. Like that generally means you're less of a victim of karate. All of these uh, questions, like for example, number two, as you walk, do you A, carry yourself with confidence, B, daydream or stare at the ground, C, move with a quick, strong gait, D, swing your purse or belongings, E, look ahead and to the sides for potential trouble. So E, it is absolutely E. Yeah, you're like, a, you, you dart around looking at everything. I'm constantly darting, but not necessarily for karate threats. I, I mm-hmm. think if we need to specify that I'm looking for karate threats, I would fail this because I'm mostly looking for dogs to pet or people oh, yeah. who are going to talk to me. Oh, that's a good idea. You want to play with one and avoid the other. Yeah, yeah. And ideally, okay. if you can just slip around them, that's like my move is to spin around the person that wants to talk to me and pet the dog. It, it feels like inadvertently you're you're going to do well avoiding karate. Like it feel, I feel like you're, you're already doing not, pretty good. I have not been point. intensely karate lately. Not intensely. I get fucked up like six times a week, but it's always from behind. So I don't know how any of this would it's, help at all. It's because you're swinging your purse or other objects. I can tell right now. I'm I, yeah, I got a test. I need, <laughs> I need to swing in a three sixty degree with my purse. I think was is what was right, what I'm learning. You're on daredevil rules. You're trying to sound out threats with it, but you're not getting from behind. That you see, I didn't even think about it. It's like a radar sense. I was thinking if I just swung fast enough, I would hit people as they came behind me. Unless they timed it just right. But I mean, come on. Unless I was attacked by a group of jump ropers, which isn't uh, out of the question. Well, the, I do say a lot of rude things. The flashing weak spot on your back that everybody just keeps targeting. I was born with that. And it, it, I honestly, it, it doesn't help. I, I wear a, um, a wig to cover it, a ponytail wig, which is its own type of target. <laughs> yeah, it's not helping. <laughs> it, but it goes with my lizard. And so, uh, <laughs> so anyway, I do very bad at these karate quest quizzes. Um, I feel but, like I'm killing it. Yeah, you're doing really well. Okay, so number three, which pair of traits is most a part of your personality? Alert and assertive. B, agreeable and cooperative. Or C, titties and titties. One of those, <laughs> one of the three was a, an outrageous joke answer. It's okay, it was passive oh, and obedient. I, I can't <laughs> passive and obedient. I know. These are such, this is the most obviously like leading it really test. Is. It's like, do you like to get punched in the face? Yes or no? How much of a victim do you look like? A lot or not? It's kind and of so, a how much do you hate yourself? Uh, oh, right. I need to answer this before I forget the questions. I don't think I'm uh, necessarily assertive. I am very alert and titties. So it's like a little A and a little C. But you're, it's the best of all worlds. Now, uh, I think you get the gist of this uh, quiz. It's basically like uh, 
are you walking around like ready for an attack at any time? And I think that's great. I think people walking around like they're John Rambo is is fun and exciting. Uh, but one of the themes of these self-defense books is sort of this idea that that the things you do help prevent attacks even when they like objectively don't. Like if you're like, you know, looking around, darting your eyes in every direction. I don't know if anyone's ever done a study to say like, those are the people that never get attacked versus the someone who like looks determined to get where they're going or looks well, like look crazy. Person. You're probably less likely to be attacked if you just look fucking crazy. Maybe I, I like, do you I don't... carry two machetes with you all the time makes... and do you swing them around and yell? See that I think I would attack that person because it feels like that would make them happy. Like that's what they were <laughs> right. looking. That's, that's what they why want. they left the house, right? You're a generous soul though. Yeah. Like, but, uh, yeah, the idea of someone just like looking schizophrenic or or especially like looking confrontational, I I feel like it's one of those things that has a common sense element to it. But also if you're like whatever, a weird schizophrenic or just a guy who, you know, hates his wife and he's on the subway hoping to find someone to punch. And then there's this weirdo who like is kind of like alpha dog in them and they're like, you know, I'm I'm too assertive for you to mug. Like I feel like that's like, yeah, I'm kind of gonna mug that guy. I'm not even a mugger, but I'm kind of gonna mug that guy. Yeah, like, you think kinda. I can't mug you? You think I'm not gonna mug you? Oh, I mean, I'm now a... that you brought it up, it's all yeah. I can think about. I'm gonna, I'm gonna mug you just to show you I can. You know what I mean? I feel like I don't, I don't know. I, I'm not that. I don't have that Arizona mentality. But, but to me, it feels like this would be a very difficult thing to study. And uh, all these martial arts books I read, it, it feels like. Um, very unimaginative people sort of write down everything they did on a day where they didn't get mugged. And they're like, cool, I cracked it. I knew I should put this <laughs> in my karate book. Yeah. And like, that's all it takes to write a karate book. <laughs> here's the, here's a list of shit I did. I, I went to the store before the bank, always do that. And when you're at the bank, put your money in your sock. Crime never knows to look in your sock. You know, like they'll have little tips, like, but. Unless a true genius criminal would buy the book on how to avoid crime. And now you're getting them from both directions. Exactly. Now you're selling books hand over fist, man. This is brilliant. I did uh, recently on the website. I did one, uh, which is just such a great karate book called "How to Protect Yourself and Survive" by Sydney Filson, and she's just fucking ready for karate all day, every day. But the famous she's... murderer, Sydney Filson. <laughs> Everything she's ever touched is fucking dead. This lady is a master of karate, and uh, she has sort of this mentality that crime is sort of in a point karate tournament with her. So that she'll say, oh, never try this attack because they'll expect it. You know what I mean? So she's she's like trying to stay one step ahead of what the crime guy is is thinking, which I thought was just just very funny and like such a weird clinical way to look at the world. Right, like, anyway, like, like crime is some chess game, like that criminal is actually right. thinking like, OK, here's my move. Right. What is her counterpoint? Oh, she's using Zardoz's revenge. Yes, <laughs> when I she see. uses Zardoz's revenge, I counter with my nunchucks. So this everyone should know on the streets the first knife attack is a feint and you got to watch out for the nunchucks in the other hand that's just that's just karate science well i'm not so, going to argue with her cuz she's covered in blood <laughs> of course she's got like eyeballs in each hand just yeah. <laughs> and just dicks all over her feet she's just dick blood from shins down <laughs> uh so th uh, this also another uh, trope of karate books is the dick attacks of course everyone would have imagined this and 101 weapons for women has so many dick attacks. Like you smash a cactus into the dick. And uh, for the most part- I like the prop work. The prop work's yeah. my favorite part. Oh my God, there's so many weird props in this. Like uh, this guy kind of, 
um, he's of the the mind that anything in the right hands can be a weapon. It's that it's like very Jason Bourne. So like he'll he, he has somewhere he'll attack you with a paperclip or a straw. The stuff that like if a, an intruder leapt into your house, you would almost certainly drop to like fight them. But he's like, no, if you got a drinking straw, you fucking jam that into their heart. And I'm not kidding. He, he has a paperclip. He's like, you got a paperclip. Straighten it out. Jam it into their heart. <laughs> I, I, I just feel like I can crack, take... Crack that chest bone with your paperclip. Really just... I feel like I can take nine to ten paperclips to the chest. Easy. Like, Yeah, I mean, I would I would say I have a lot. But I, I feel like maybe around paperclip number three or four, I would probably try to stop the paperclip by punching. No, I'd say no? I'd, I'd see how far uh, they go. See, I'd say how, so how long in the no, you blew it there. Like and if someone's stabbing you with paperclips, you let them finish. And then like after three or four, you're, you're just doing science. Just like how many of these will it take to kill me? Because I think by seven or eight, you're going to throw that shirt out. But I don't think you're going to die until 50, 60 paperclips. Yeah, probably not. I and who has 50, 60 paperclips? You're safe. If someone's stabbing you with paperclips, under no circumstances will you die. Maybe if you're at a Staples. Like you'd and have I to be choked, at a... And I feel like all of karate knows that I just choked. <laughs> I, it's my poor broadcast skill. See, I'm not supposed to disagree with you. I'm supposed to yes and you. And I just, I shut you down because I just feel that strongly about paperclips. Also, I have no broadcast skills. Well, we this is journalism. Yes. <laughs> I should have um, learned some of those before we started our uh, uh, audio podcast. I don't want to so. learn anything. I'm tired of learning stuff. <laughs> I spent a long time informing people and learning things. And I, you know what? I'm done. I'm just. Yeah. I'm. I'm with you. I think we're too old to learn stuff anyway. It's like, what, 32? You're done learning things? I just invented that. I've never actually heard that stat. I haven't I, learned I anything. It. I heard it just yeah. now. Cool. Let's agree on it. Let's yeah. even lower it, like 26. It's been, what's, it's what's been your... on the radio. <laughs> That's true. It's been on, on the podcast. Well, I heard on a podcast. I, so much of the things I think and know are shit I heard on podcasts. And so if I'm like, oh, here's a fun fact about something i know in my heart when i start explaining that to somebody that like i fucking heard this on a podcast and if they ask me where i heard this i'm gonna be so embarrassed but generally like, like that's how everybody's operating these days it's like it's true 90 percent of anything anybody talks about is from a podcast and i'm so excited that we're we're here and we're just polluting yeah the pool of human knowledge just pissing work. right in the pool of human knowledge but I don't really know if delivered. I've ever been in a conversation with like a difficult person where like somebody stopped to Google something. Like, I don't think I've ever been like speaking to my mother about politics. And she says like some like fascist talking point. And I'm like, hey, mom, should, should we Google that? Like, I, we've never actually gotten to that point in the conversation. We just like kind of go our separate ways where I'm cranky and she's fascist. Like, that's just like how people deal with their parents now, I think. I either believe you or I don't. And that entirely sounds, uh, depends how much it just <laughs> sounds true. Like, right. Yeah, that could be true. I'm going to go ahead and believe that. I believe that. Yeah. Why don't you guess a number between 1 and 101, and we will further test your karate to see if you pick a deadly weapon for women. Weapon for women? Weapon for woman. That's what I'm trying to say. Weapon for women. <laughs> You're really throwing me now. <laughs> uh, well, we know the number I should go for, but I'm going to go for 42. Oh, I like that. Mixing it up. The secret to life. Okay. 42 is the start of the jewelry section, barrettes and hair the clips. The start. The start of the jewelry section. Yes. 
Barrettes and hair clips. So that's your that's your 42. Um, forcefully stabbing with the clasp of a barrette can penetrate the temple, which I th- assume means the brain. I, th- I think you take off your little hair clip, your barrette, and you jam it into a human skull. And if you've ever seen a barrette, it, it's got the two little like flat metal frames that sort of come to a point. And um, right, they're flexible by nature. Very, very so they're, flexible. They're springing right. by their design. Like between two human fingers, you could bend it in half. So the idea of smashing it against a skull and hoping that the skull gives in before like the surface tension of this tiny flat metal thing. It's, I mean, he it's been a long time fight with somebody there. and it turned out to be that guy that got hit with the acid in RoboCop and just was really soft at the time. That's and true. Was like every one of these weapons fucking slaughtered that guy. If he was like a trauma style, like toxic Avenger man, right. Just fully gooey, right, right. Or some sort of an ectoplasmic like entity. that's going to go straight into their brain. It's really thrown off his fighting style. Right. But you don't want to use such a close range weapon against like a radioactive creature. Or the undead, I would imagine. Right, right. So you want to you want to throw drinking straws at him. If you had a drinking straw, absolutely. You throw. If you're fighting a Slimer or a Toxic Avenger, you want to throw the drinking straw. Uh, even as a distraction, you could like throw it near a mud puddle, and they'll be like, "Ooh, a mud puddle!" And then they'll like comically drink from the mud puddle. Well, I mean, have this. To. We should probably write a book for surviving. I think we're doing it. I think we're doing it right now. <laughs> yeah, I guess you're right. I mean, I this think is it's... how those fucking Twitter books. Came Far more like a bunch of shit and somebody turned it into a book. Yeah. Um, oh, here's a good one. Uh, same page. Hair combs grasped in both hands and raked down temples. So just like brushing. Yeah, very aggressively <laughs> combing your attacker's hair with both hands. <laughs> Ooh, tangle. Damn. Oh, I am really so sorry. Good. I'm sorry. I tried to do crime on you. I, I I don't know if our listeners know this. I, I, I really enjoy combat sports and I, I am an amateur uh, karate man myself. Uh, and I would en- encourage anyone in during a sparring match to try some two-handed attacks against an opponent. It's because I, lo- I love to do it. And I, there's never been a single time I've ever done it where I didn't get fucking blasted in the face. It's just the really worst only attack. works for Captain Kirk. That yeah, like two-fisted hammer punch. Well, that that's a, just a great move. I'm talking about like coming at someone with like a Mongolian chop, you need very, very specific circumstances. So right, the idea, is. you do? No. That's when you like smack someone with like two hands. It's like a pro wrestling term for that move where you like, you box their ears basically. Ah, okay. Uh, Sakuraba did it against Hoist Gracie to uh, uh, get past his guard on the ground. It's, it was an interesting maneuver. Didn't hurt him, but like everyone appreciated how silly it was. So. <laughs> I'm it's telling good entertainment. You. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> well, Hoist Gracie and Sakuraba had a 90 minute fight because Hoist Gracie like uh, argued that there should never be a stoppage to the fight. Like they should fight until they're dead. He's fucking crazy, right? So Sakuraba's like, okay, I guess I'll wear a diaper. And he didn't actually wear a diaper, but that was his joke. And then they they fought, and it went for six 15 minute rounds. And the whole time, Hoist just sort of stalled him. And so Sakuraba would like fuck around, try to pull down his pants, and like try to jump over his legs and stomp on his head. And it's, it's really entertaining for 90 minutes of fighting. And, and then it's like Sakuraba, fight, it's fight and improv. It's like the improv show that just, yeah. we're like here he for an he, hour. We're going to use the space. He knew he was there to entertain people. And Hoist Gracie was just there to be fucking cranky. And he like never really did anything. And uh, eventually just gave up because he just had eaten 1000 tiny little shots. Again, 
if you had a thousand paper clips, I think you could kill a man. And and that's we have the proof is this fight, Sakuraba versus Hoist Gracie. So uh, if you're Sakuraba, I would say try this aggressive hair combing technique because I think the crowd might like it. But I think if you're a woman being attacked, it's just it's just going to add a little bit of whimsy to your murder. Which is, I mean, to be fair, why not? I agree. No, I mean, You've like been murdered. Get so murdered. Let's, let's make it fun in case someone's watching. Right, and then like when he's talking to the judge, he'll be like, you know, funny story, judge. When I was uh, murdering this woman, uh, she did this. She combed my hair, but like in a mean way. I think she learned it from a book. Really threw me off. I almost let her go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Almost. I killed seven more people, and and here I am. <laughs> but you know, she's the one I talk about. But hey, bailiff, it's the friends we made along the way, right? Also, <laughs> you know. This is really good uh, improv murderer stuff we're doing. <laughs> yeah, well, we made it. Uh, we made it like a half hour before going straight into the murder. All right, I was going to be proud of us, but that's not that impressive. That fair enough, listeners. I uh, you should know we have no formal training in uh, improvisational comedy. This is all just uh, natural talent. Yeah, I've, I've got some training in that. I've I've been dragged to several improv shows, and I learned oh, what real? I hate about it. <laughs> and really just internalized that yeah that counts I, I, I feel hate is a I, type of education as i um as i get older i, I tend to like not hate stuff like that just because i feel like i'm ruining other people's fun i know to avoid it because i don't want to bring because i do hate it and i just don't want to like bring that energy to like <laughs> fuck up whatever happiness they're finding there but it feels like if everyone's on that improv <laughs> wavelength like I, there's there's something to it there's a talent to it it's just not for me yeah you know? i mean i can't do it or maybe no i won't do it is the thing i just think i don't like it i might be able to do it no i mean you know an active i didn't stand up and go i hate this i hate this <laughs> i did i went to an improv show in chicago once where the uh the performers stood up and they, they did some acts that weren't funny and they did one that was like sort of a psa about like i don't even remember what it was but it was it was just really aggressive uh, messaging that like, I thought we'd already agreed on like 30 years ago. It's like, you know, gay people are as good as anybody. I'm like, yeah, wait, is that, is that really? But anyway, like they were really aggressive about it. And they like- It's a little controversial for you to bring it up at that point. <laughs> right. So I was like, yeah, I agree, sure. But they wanted everyone in the crowd to like stand up and like do some sort of a tantrum to like, and so I was like, I just don't, I didn't want to do it. And everyone like turned and looked at my group because my group didn't do it either. Because I guess my my in, uninterest in, or my disinterest in this was was infectious enough that you know it got to them. And like they all seemed really mad at us. Like the show kind of got stopped. And I'm like, oh my god, I'm like legitimately ruining everybody's fun because I hate this so much. And they were like in this mindset of like they wanted to be mad at me for like not being on the wavelength of gay rights or whatever. Like the thing they were championing. I'm like, no, no, I I, I agree. I just didn't want to. Do the little theatrical thing. I, I'm sorry. So I support gay rights. I don't support improv. Right. Improv. That's what I'm trying to say. I vote uh, against improv. If you would let me vote, I would cast my vote against improv. And I would vote for gay. <laughs> Those are on the ballot. Those are your two choices. If, if there was two gentlemen on the stage and one said, I'd like to do some improv. And the other one said, I'd like to tenderly kiss you with my mustache for several minutes. I'd say mustache guy for sure. Any All day. Way. All the way. I'll watch a beautiful display of human affection. I'll watch some earnestness. Uh, let's do uh, one more weapon and test your karate. Because, uh, again, I, I think your instincts are um, troubling. 
Like I'm, I'm still I'm, thrown. I'm so thrown after the last one. My confidence scared. is in the gutter, which only makes me more susceptible to karate. Exactly. So let's hope this next one that you get is a strong, powerful right, this weapon. This is for everything. This is doubling for everything. Up. All right. One through 101. You got you to gotta guess one. Oh, it's so important, though. I'm thinking about it. Oh, I, I pick 70, no, 74. Oh. 74. 74 is exercise gear like your pocket radio or tape player. You know what? What? This is, this is not a bad idea. Uh, for the illustration, she That's is- exercise gear? <laughs> you know, like, why not? <laughs> it's, she's got like an 80s style Walkman and uh, a shirtless man is behind her and she's just uppercutting it, reverse uppercutting into his dick with uh, the Walkman. And it oh, says, into, the, into the dick with the walk. Yeah, like oh, an okay. uppercut. I was going to go for the head or something, but. No, because he's got her like by the shoulders, like he's kind of giving her a back rub and she's escaping the back rub with a reverse cassette tape player to the dick. And it says cassette tape player jammed backwards into a salient's groin. <laughs> and then uh, the other picture is portable radio suddenly thrust into temple. And again, this guy is also shirtless. Um, I, I, another thing about this book is it, feels like it was almost written backwards from how can I get these ladies into a room with me where I'm shirtless and choking them and then they're choking me and we get a lot of sexy pictures of it. Like, and I, then, I they, feel like then they touch my dick with just every yes. object it's, I have brought. Like the use, my wife, use my wife's pillow next. That's, <laughs> that's what this section's about. This says everyone working out seems to want to escape with their own music, which is great. I like that he's sort of like doing a little intro to music. Like Webster's defines music as, you know, yeah, it's bringing, like- He's giving a TED talk on this. <laughs> it's so great. What the fuck is the point of this? These small tape players, radios, and now CD players can be used in a variety of ways as implement weapons. No, so. not, a C, not a CD player. We lost, we lost attack properties when we switched to CD players. Yeah, they were flimsy. They weighed like half an ounce. Mm -hmm. Honestly, it, was, it would just be sort of erotic to be- jammed in the dick with a CD player. Yeah, with that's- disc, With the Discman. It's Walkman would, yeah, like render you sterile for sure. Yeah, it's not my kink zone, but if like a lady <clears> said, <throat> hey, I wanna, I wanna jam you in the, in the crotch with a CD player, I'd say, okay, if it's your birthday, maybe. Yeah, but if you know. he said uh, like a tape player, I'd say, no, that's, that's gonna really hurt. Generous and giving and game, I, I will try your fetish. Are you, um, well, we're on the subject, are you a generous lover? You, um, Traditionally a generous lover. Wow, we are taking a turn from this one. <laughs> I just feel Is like that we're, a question talking about, we're talking a lot about violence. <laughs> and uh, uh, I just think people would like to know these things about you. Yeah, I'm a giver. That's I'm nice. A giver. I like to give it to them. Oh, now you're you talking. Know, That's you know some good wordplay. Again, right. no formal training, but just crushing it with the improv. Disc man, right in the cooch. Every time, <laughs> all the time. See, I would no never legend. hit a lady in the crotch with a disc man, even if she asked me to. I just feel like... Uh, right, your, your mother specifically taught you not yeah. to hit ladies in the crotch with disc man. I just feel like so much could go wrong. Like, even if she had the safe word, like, what good is that going to do if she's got a shattered pelvis? And then, like, we go to the hospital and we'll always say, like, oh, yeah, we fuck real weird. And, like, I, 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 I smashed a bunch slips. of stereo equipment into her crotch. And, like, who would believe that? Not a judge in the world would believe that. Even if she's there like, no, I promise. That's I asked him to do it. They're like, ma'am, we have a place that can take care of you. 
<laughs> specifically for stereo genital mutilations. We have a shelter. <laughs> oh man, we do we do a lot of dark comedy here. Yeah, we're going. It's like I've been watching the timer. I think it's like every sixteen minutes we have to we have to go to crime again. It's just yeah. But then, like, remember that time I asked you if you're a tender lover? Like, we're no, pretty was, unpredictable. We went immediately into crime from, from, yeah, that was a tender lover. That was a defense mechanism, though. I mean, like, yeah. we can't talk about intimate stuff like that, like, without it just, without us crying and holding each other over, over Discord video server. And we can't. We're so far away. We need to distance. I want you to pick one more karate book before we, or karate item before we put this book down. I think Number you got 101. Oh, I want to see where it, I want to see the ending. Is the, is the weapon me all along? Oh my God. I want to read you 100 first because 101 is disappointing, but 100 is very good. It's a little something oh, known as a shuriken. Some okay. people might know them as throwing stars. That's right, ladies. Specifically for women. What um, you should consider in this implement weapon book is if you have a throwing star, don't use it for cooking or cleaning or brushing your teeth. What you want to do is throw it at an enemy. A lot of people wouldn't think to do that with a throwing star. They would see a throwing star and think like, I wonder what this thing is for. It's Christmas ornament? I don't know. But no, like if you're a throwing star and you're being attacked, consider using the ancient oriental weapon. It would be a really good Christmas ornament now that you brought it up. I wonder why I haven't been doing that. It's embarrassing now that I think about it too. Yeah. Uh, it says shurikens are multi-bladed throwing stars and that's in quotes. And then there's a period because he doesn't know where you're supposed to put the period in a sentence. They are heavy enough. <laughs> so I'm like fucking copy editing the book over the air. That's uh, just a quick aside. One of the hardest things to do, like reviewing all these terrible books I review on the site is like not bringing up all the typos, like all these books by like wizards and sex experts, like they're really poorly educated people and also very bad proofreaders. And so they're just fucking filled with errors and they're kind of funny to me. Like, it's funny that like a book got published and no one read it. And so like, I always want to say like, Oh look, that's not where you put a comma. I'm also really proud that like I did so well in fourth grade that like, I'm, I'm trying to show off still. <laughs> no. Try to really sell that one. <laughs> yeah. Got to find a use for this. <laughs> and uh, number 101 is, um, it's a whistle. Just a oh, fucking whistle. Just to get help? Like yeah. it's not even going to kill a guy with a whistle? It will. So like to, the picture, to jam it down his throat so that he whistles while he chokes? The picture is a woman and it just says, shrill whistle, fends off attack. Like, like the attacker's not there. It's like the, the Nathan for you picture where he's like, friends are just off camera laughing. It's like he, this woman's like, small whistle, fending off attack. Jam it into his eye and fucking blow yeah. on it and whistle his goddamn eyeball Just right out of his head. Let, let it ring through his fucking skeleton. Oh, it ends with just asking for help. That's so disappointing. Yeah. Well, that's I, not how you it, end a book. That's a bad It actually seems arc. to think that I agree. It should have ended with throwing star. Absolutely. The real uh, weapon is the authorities. If you're white, I think we should, there should be a, a disclaimer. Do not well, blow yeah. this whistle unless you're white. Okay, honestly, only white women are buying this book. I would, that's probably very true. Although- It might be insulting. I might've just gotten in trouble, but it's also yeah. very true. Yeah, I'm really glad that we're not gonna do a whole bunch of like uh, racial improv now. I, I think that um, no one will know that I cut 20 minutes out of the podcast of you doing very problematic voices. Right, am I right? <laughs> I'm right, aren't I? 
<laughs> I strongly disagree. Uh, the <laughs> What's also great about this book that I own, um, it's autographed by the author. So the Kim Canavan, the woman who signed the front page, apparently like got it signed at, at whatever self-defense course she took from this charlatan. And his signature is very unpracticed. Like it feels like he's never even signed You want me to sign? What? Yeah. Is, you have it, my book? It's he signed on the very last page. And you found me? <laughs> you found me. And then he killed her with a straw. He's just, it's all I know. I'm sorry. I tried to warn you. Kim Canavan's blood is all over this book. But it's just a, a wispy little thing and it's all shaky and small. Like maybe like she saw him on the highway and said, Oh my God, you're Rodney Rice. You've got to sign my karate book. And he uh, was just. He just and she was so aggressive after reading this book, just took him by the collar and shook him. And that's okay. I'm just sorry. Pelted him with barrettes until he gave in. So I think um, that's a little look inside the, the, the world I live in, where I, where I look at silly books all day. So congratulations to our uh, Dog Zone listeners. Uh, you know what I'd like to do right now before I let you do your thing is I want to thank some sponsors. Do it. All right. I fucking dare you. I'm fucking doing it. I'm fucking doing it. All right. We have a lot of um, high-level Patreons that are patrons that uh, support our work, and we thank them very much. Uh, for example, Nick Heyman, Matt Riley, Three Finger Louie, Hawk, Rhea, Dean Costello, Nick Ralston, John, and then Jeff Atwood are some of our hot dog supremes, and we thank you very much for your support. And we should thank some more uh, people later in the program. Some but of I our human being supremes. Our human being yeah. supremes. So I, I think the floor is yours if you have something you'd like to share with me now that you so, have found out you're mediocre to good at karate. Like oh, you ended man. pretty strongly. You got, you I got, got like a, a B. I got B in karate. Yeah, like a, like a C plus. Oh, shit. I mean, got a B. The, the day is young. We could, we right. could get a few more karate books out. I need to practice and or avoid karate. And I'm just not sure which direction I'm going to take that feedback in, but I thank you for giving it to me. <laughs> it's my pleasure. Okay. I, I want to talk. Okay, go ahead. I'm sorry. I want I, my turn to talk. I want to talk about Fisto. Uh, Fisto is just great. I mean, we always, we love to make jokes about Fisto. Fisto it's like and he's his... only made for jokes. Like the I, idea I, of making Fisto for some sort of unironic reason is absurd. I find it fascinating from the name stage that we make so many jokes about Fisto because everybody does. And like, if yeah. you say it, everybody will make the fisting jokes, but there are plenty of heroes with like Iron Fist. You could make a lot of jokes about Iron Fist. Not everybody makes those sure. fisting jokes about Iron Fist. And it's right there. But for some reason, you add that O to the last part of his name and you're like, yeah, that guy fists. That guy fists in the way that you, you know what I'm talking about. Mm hmm. I don't know what it is about him other than his character design is just terrifying. It is just a burly bearded man in like a bear's bikini. Yeah. Like a bikini he has made out of and somehow stolen from a bear with like one giant metal fist. So the and bear, like, the bear was wearing a bikini made out of bear. And right. This, it, this bear is fucked that. in the head and he still killed. Well, he does start killing him or at least warning him off a bear. Man, I bet He-Man's panties are made out of man too. I bet that's right. just a, an attorney. We, we've stumbled upon the theme of the entire He-Man 
episode the whole the whole structure is now laid bare before you i really uh real talk i really enjoyed your fisto article it's one of my favorite uh favorite things you did on the site i love it because i i didn't want to watch it i will i i watched it thinking yeah let's find out where fisto came from and then the whole time i'm watching it thinking like wow this is really strange they've they've done a lot of sexual innuendo and i'll get to it i'll I'll break down what the episode is about but it's the behind the scenes details that i found Mm -hmm. out about fisto and i've i because i don't have human priorities or or (laughs) let's be honest a real god people can relate to that yeah i think we can all relate to that and i'm stuck in the house and shit I, i don't know i wanted to learn about fisto so i kept going after the article was done and i found out more about the behind the scenes of fisto but first can you play, uh, I believe it's the second clip I gave you. Okay. Where it's, uh, it, he introduces himself. I just want to sure. hear it. You're Fisto, aren't you? Oh, that's me, all right. Wow. You're almost as great a hero as He-Man. Well, I wouldn't say that, but I guess I am sort of a hero. You sure are. The way you frightened that Grazzler. Oh, that, that was nothing. Of course, you know, I wasn't always the man I am now. One time, you might say I was downright evil. You? Hmm. I don't believe it. Well, it's true. Would you like to hear the story how I changed? I sure would. Well, let's see. Why Why is he telling the kid all this? A few years ago. Okay. I think that's enough to establish the point that I want to make. Okay. Oh my god, that's so weird. See, I don't remember this episode at all. I, I, I yeah, that's it was all new to me when I was reading your article. Is that nobody really remembers it? And I have a feeling maybe they buried it in syndication because that's, I mean, that's how I came to He Man was just syndication. I didn't watch sure. it a week. It was, it was years later on fucking TBS or whatever our off brand cable channels used to be. But what's so strange about the Fisto audio? Is that you can hear when the little boy talks. It's like it's not great quality because He-Man's sound design is just all over the place. It's yeah. so crazy that they <laughs> recorded it from different rooms. But Fisto in particular, with consistency, his like voice is supposed to be man screaming from the bottom of a well. <laughs> right. He is the recorded from like two rooms over, locked in a closet, and just screaming himself for it's like. There's no reason he has this weird echo to him. Did they have to replace a voice actor? Was there was the first Fisto like? Did he get like whatever the age? Yes, he died. He died from fisting. (laughs) (laughs) I I, I don't know why they. they, I think that was an intentional choice in his character design to make you just feel even more uneasy every single minute that he's on screen. He's just kind of strangely hollow. Right, like like he might be coming from nowhere and (laughs) everywhere. Like is Fisto. Inside of me already? Is it? Is this voice coming from in me? That's probably what they're going for with Fisto. I just love that he meets the little boy and they're like, wow, you're like a real hero, almost as good as He-Man. And he's like, you know what? I used to be so evil. He's like, no. Do you want to hear a story of my treachery? No, little boy. I, I'm no hero. I'm no hero. It breaks my heart to hear you think that. I'm going to crush your tiny bones now with my giant metal fist. Right. Like it's never a good, a good sign when you start your origin story by encountering a young boy alone and in trouble. Like, and then you pick him up 
and carry him away, which is what Fisto right. does. First thing in the episode is just grab and carry away a child who has not learned his first name yet. That comes afterwards. <laughs> I, oh, thanks for, your thanks name for is, carrying me. You want your to name is yourself? And you're trying to make friends with kids. I think you save that deep, deep into the conversation. Like, you don't want your kids saying, oh, hey, dad, I met this guy. He's Fisto. <laughs> like, say, I met a no, nice fellow. Like, I swear to God, he's really cool. He's really cool. He didn't do nothing. He, his he name said is Fisto. Hi. All right. He told me a story of his evil treachery. And, uh, and that, now you're all caught up. You're all caught up, Dad. <laughs> That's really all he told me, actually. That was our whole interaction was he sat me down for the next 17 minutes and just really in-depth described all of the crimes that he used to do. Right. They don't train children how to deal with strangers in Eternia for shit. <laughs> his, the rest of that episode is, is Fisto who has a spider, which is never seen again. He has a special spider just for this episode that shoots. And I'm going to, I'm going to air quote this and I'm, I'm going to get it really close to the microphone so you can hear these air quotes. Webs. Mm -hmm. uh, right. They're not webs. Uh, and I, this is one of those behind the scenes details that I, I wanted to come by and, and describe to you is that I found the site of the storyboard artist, Robert Lamb, who uh -huh. laid out the Fisto episode. First of all, he has insane things to say about the Fisto episode. But pertinent to this is that in all of the storyboards, at no point does this spider ever shoot what is called webs. It is always called goo. I don't it like that always, at all. No, it is always a white paste that is <laughs> never in web form and just splashes all over like if I was working children's on... feet and like on He-Man's hands when he's not paying attention. I, mean, and, like, I don't like that at all. My like first note, if I was on the production design, I'd say, let's, let's call the goo webs. Let's make and sure. Let's have, it, let's have it be web-shaped instead of like yeah. a puddle of liquid that Absolutely. splashes on your feet. I, will, like I want at least one character to call it webs. And I might even have one character specify this is not ejaculate. Say, ah, oh, the spider's webs and not ejaculate has gotten me trapped. <laughs> But no, that was cut. And that's weird that that was cut because uh, in that same storyboard website, it turns out Fisto's Forest was an absolute disaster. He says uh, normally a typical episode would have about 20% retakes and Fisto's Forest had 75%. So it was just, they kept looking at it and thinking, this is wrong. We can't, we can't do this to children. I can't put my finger on it. We got a guy named Fisto telling a strange boy about his crimes, an ejaculating spider. I just, I, I can't quite figure out what this needs to, to but be finished. on the other hand, that means they went back and fixed it. This is, this right. is the fixed version. This is the fixed version. <laughs> this is the, this, they did 75% retakes and they were like, oh my God, finally. Finally, God. this feels right. This is absolutely right that Fisto has a weird spider <laughs> that is never seen before again. And, <laughs> Also keeps alluding to past crimes, like his backstory in this episode. The reason he's a criminal is never specified. It's actually implied that he's a criminal because people treat him like a criminal for okay. some reason. That little girl left me trapped, but she treated me like, like a real person, like, like a friend. And now I guess it's my turn to start acting like one too. So he... He tells the girl, he tells the girl, you changed me because you're the first person to treat me like a real person after right. a mysterious crime. 
that caused him to have to live in the woods with an ejaculating spider. But they never explain what the crime is? No, he never explains what the crime is and seems very reluctant to talk about it, even though he also seems very compelled to introduce himself to young children. <laughs> so, it had, had to have been something that caught his, that cut his hand off. I'm not making an implication. Yeah, I'm making an implication. <laughs> because, as was revealed in the article I wrote, which you should have read by now, if you haven't, why aren't you going to 1-900-HOT-DOG and reading these amazing articles? What's wrong with you? What Seriously. the fuck is wrong with you? I'm, I'm doing it again. I'm getting aggressive again. I'm just so thrown by failing that karate test. I really thought... <laughs> I wouldn't say you failed it. I, I just think and, that like, your instincts are almost suicidal. Yeah, that's... A, that's yeah, that's fair. <laughs> that's an earned. That's earned. But I, I think that's a big part of karate. I mean, you've got to engage in these fights. Yeah, I kind of want you to kill me. Right. In, in an interesting way. That's, I want to add, add some whimsy to it. Yeah, like some, some fucking barrettes to the head. That would be a pretty interesting way to go. A doctor would say, I've never seen anything like this. You must be <laughs> terrible at karate. Uh, anyway, back to, back to Visto. Hold on. I'm okay. just going to talk about karate. It's so tempting. It's so hard to choose between He-Man and karate. Why have we done this to ourselves? There's no way Fisto doesn't do karate. Uh, we'll get to a good segue on that, but I'm not oh. going to take it right now because I, I'm an amateur. I'll say, that. I'll say it again later. <laughs> There's no way Fisto doesn't do karate. <laughs> but the, uh, the reason I'm so suspect of this, and it was really in the article, is that the guy that wrote this this episode, and indeed much of He-Man, was named Douglas Booth. Oh, wait, I'm sorry, Baron Douglas Booth. Baron. Actual title, he's an actual old money Baron from like the 17th century who inherited okay. what is apparently called a Baronetsy. Oh. I've never seen and have no idea how to say it's that word, nice but that sounds... Like a pile of money that almost sounds like Nazi. Like Yeah, Baronetsy, it sounds like foppish and foyish enough to just it sounds so sinister oh i've got so much of my money i've got a little baronetcy in my little title and he he came from this family and pursued his passion in cartoon writing for children and then chose to write this episode <laughs> about fisto and it's just, just everything about that it's like red flags so stabbed into choices. red flags yeah. so much strangeness led to to this and i i would like to Stop making fun of him for a second now and instead thank him for apparently writing all of our childhoods. Here is a list of other friends of other shows that he, he has written. He wrote Super Friends, which is where that came I from. I love Super Friends. He wrote yeah. Spider-Man and his amazing friends. So he's love very he's a very friendly guy. He wrote for the Smurfs. He yeah. wrote for Heathcliff and the Cadillac Cats. He wrote okay. for the Transformers. And and Challenge of the GoBots. Oh. He did not pick sides in that battle. That's crazy. He wrote for G.I. Joe, Real American Hero, not G.I. Joe, Disappointing Accountant. <laughs> right. I hated that He one. wrote for Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, uh -huh. My Little Pony, Mighty Max, Adventures of Sonic the Hedgehog, X-Men, Street Fighter, and The Magic School Bus. He wrote like... an incredible line of credits. Like fully half of your childhood was written by Baron Fisto. But I, I almost exclusively make fun of it. Like, that's, I think I might, uh, I might have written more Super Friends jokes than anyone's written about anything. And like, the general structure of a Super Friends joke is look how fucking stupid Super Friends is. 
And now you know that it was written on like what I am assuming is like a lightning plagued castle by a man right. by a guy like, who didn't wearing money. a monocle yeah. on just like a steam powered typewriter. I also Baron always as like like a pencil slave, like like you know some dude that just had to write like fifty scripts a week and send it off to Korea by Tuesday. And apparently now it's just a guy who absolutely didn't need to be doing any of this and just and, doing it for that's the love of insanity. That's where 40% of your personality came from and all of your career. I owe a lot to his Baronetsy. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, Baronetsy. Baronetsy Fisto. Uh, anyway, you know what I think? I think Fisto would be good at karate. You know, I was about to ask you, do you think Fisto does karate? No, but his nemesis does. His nemesis, who did not appear in the cartoon, that's why we're not playing that, was oh. named Jitsu. And he was the most racist Oriental caricature. Like oh, he looks, he he's not supposed to be a man in yellow face, but it's clearly, Ugh. it's clearly drawn as maybe Hulk Hogan in yellow face. I think was maybe their model for this. Jeez. And, and he, he was so racist that they they made the toy for him and they had plans. And in in 1980s cartoon television, they stopped and said. We can't put this guy in the cartoon. Yeah. yeah they I made think. the toy for him. He has a toy out. <laughs> they they actually stopped and had the had the fear that he will be perceived as a racial stereotype. And they actually had the wherewithal. He-Man had the wherewithal to say, Jitsu is too racist for 80s cartoon television. That's, that's incredible. It, it might have been the only time in history somebody said this is too racist for 80s cartoon television. I think a lot of the racial characters in 80s television were like inadvertently racist. I think all that mattered was like uh, artistic intent. Like if you're like, hey, we're going to put Apache Chief in the Super Friends. It's super fucking racist, but like he's a good guy. They're like, okay, we'll allow it. Yeah, you can't be you can't be racist if he's a good guy. I right. mean, yeah, if he was a, if he was a bad guy. Sure. I mean, that dude like talk. like Jitsu would have been <laughs> he would have been Fisto's rival and a bad guy. I went digging for, for why. I really wanted to find the moment that they decided. I wanted to find this moment of self-awareness where whoever decided that everything else in 80s cartoons was cool, but Jitsu was too far. I couldn't find that moment, but I did find a, a writer, another writer doing an interview later, who was asked about Jitsu. And he said, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna read his quote. And you you can tell me when this gets problematic. Okay. That it's not gonna be what you think. All right. Jitsu was a second He-Man generation toy, and it depicted an Asian. We never had Jitsu to work on until late in the series. People were very nervous about depicting minority characters, lest they be taken as a harmful stereotype. So Jitsu made one brief appearance and said nothing. He was the victim of political correctness, you might mm, say. I don't like that. Yep, there it is. There's, <laughs> you've, you've stopped at the correct time. <laughs> you have hit the buzzer and landed. So I heard Those that. Assholes wouldn't let me be racist. <laughs> yeah, they pulled the racial stereotype, but he was the victim of political. I really wish we could have gotten that Jitsu guy in there, the evil villain, the <laughs> only Asian character, perhaps on television. <laughs> a villain and looks like Hulk Hogan in yellow face and has one giant golden hand that he uses to karate chop a sex predator. I really wish we could have gotten that guy. On TV. I mean, think of the racial stuff you get away with in the 80s 
uh, maybe it was just if you were a good guy because like Bonanza had a guy named Hop Singh that was just full on like like gong smashing like stereotype man and right, but you people should be grateful we put him on tv at all it's totally <laughs> like that's the implication that guy was making right. at the end of his statement and it was kind of common for comic characters to have like a very capable like stereotype sidekick like you know kano or that archetype of like the shadow type character would always have like a like a driver who was like a really tough asian guy but couldn't talk for shit and was just like would always just say weird racist stuff like oh boss i want some rice <laughs> And you're like, what? <laughs> like, this is not super racist. I'm, I'm, but in the 40s, man, you could be fucking racist as fuck. It didn't matter. Like, Batman would kill Chinese people all the time. I have a panel I found where Batman. For, oh, it should be said specifically for being Chinese is why he yeah, killed the Chinese people. All <laughs> well, the time. He would, like, just sort of say, ah, oh, they're just Chinese. Who cares? Or, I mean, he didn't use the word Chinese. They, they had different slurs back then. Like, stuff that you'd have to look, look up reading 40s comics. You're like, is that a racial slur or just like, like a discontinued food product I don't know about. That's so fucking weird. And uh, there's one where Batman had to disguise himself as a Chinese man. And so he put on yellow gloves. And I swear to God, I'll never forget it. That's a real thing that, like he put on like yellow kitchen gloves, I would imagine they are. Oh, as like, <laughs> to like disguise. So it didn't even hand. work. You just yeah, got well, to be racist. And they were like, God damn it, Batman. If I recall, he, it, didn't, it didn't hold up. Like people were like, hey, I know you're Batman. What the fuck? Because I, I, the idea like, you didn't take gloves. off the bat suit, you just put kitchen gloves <laughs> on. Kitchen gloves on. Oh, is that <laughs> Chinese Batman? It must be. Oh, wait, we don't. We don't have a Chinese Batman. The bright yellow plastic hands. But Did we it just? Feels like that's something Chinese you can Batman? fact check. Like it feels like, as a human man, you could just think back to other human men you've met and thought, "Did they have bright yellow hands, or is yellow just like a hurtful color we decided to call a person from that?" area of the world you know i'd check with an mm. asian but it's 1940s comics i've never seen one I've literally right what are we gonna fucking all right what well my, my my bit's done so i would like for oh. you now to play give him a hand okay is that that's the last one right yeah okay share my screen here i think we really uh navigated that racial section with a plum sensitivity and sensitivity depth. i'm just so proud of us hey, thanks. Yeah, you're welcome. Anytime I can give you a hand, just let me know. And when Fisto offers you Jesus. his hand, boy, that's a big offer. <laughs> Every word choice there was fucking ludicrous. And like, why the laughing out loud? Like, oh! Cause my hand is big. Oh, <laughs> I like that he stumbled. Like the the voice actor actually stumbled before saying that pun. And if you ever need a, if you ever need, if you need like a like a hand or something, a I just, just such a low conference delivery. <laughs> yeah, he's really ashamed of himself. <laughs> I couldn't get that voice actor out of the well to sell that line. <laughs> uh, there's nothing I love better than ending a bit, a show, perhaps a podcast. <laughs> on like the freeze frame pun and then everybody laughs and you're like that just came out of fucking nowhere yeah that's my yeah. favorite thing to do that must be yeah. the the baron's thing a lot of super friends episode ended like that too like uh like Gleek all the best get... jackie chan movies ended with yeah. just a freeze that's frame true. where they all start laughing the, how did i love the um, podcast how did who am i end i'm trying to think if that one ended like that i i, I like who am i because uh has great stunts uh, a fun premise of Jackie Chan, like getting amnesia. 
but I, I like that in that movie, he's named Jackie Chan and who am I, which is <laughs> yeah. such a perfect Jackie Chan character name. Cause it, I swear cause to God, got I would more have more to... Jackie Chan through the years. He would start off and he'd be like, Oh, you know, I'm Lark Harlong or I'm Kevin. You know, Kevin was a standard home. one. Yeah. Then he become Kevin, is. Kevin Chung or Kevin Chan. And then like, Ginny Chan, like it just, they get closer and closer to Jackie Chan every movie. And finally he's just like, fuck it. This character is named Jackie Chan. And these are all was- just stories about Jackie Chan. This is just my life. Like I'm just telling a story about how I went to the store and then somebody kidnapped an Asian woman off the street and I got involved. And now I don't know, there's high stakes, hot, like there's a satellite that's going to crash into a bank and it can only be stopped by like a fish. That right. I'm going to beat everybody with. Yeah. I got to carry the fish without dropping it. And everyone's trying to kill me and I'm on stilts. <laughs> Which is actually the plot to one of his movies, I believe. <laughs> Before we go, I have um, one more thing I want to talk about. Um, this is another thing uh, we, that I reviewed on our very first week. It's called uh, 1001 Best Places to Have Sex in America. And it was like a, a quick, like, what do you call it? Audible. Like, I had something else planned to write that week and it just didn't work out. It was just the book was really stupid and dull. And I was like, all right, I have this other sex book. I'll check it out. And I opened it up and it is just a goldmine of stupidity. And one of the rules I live by is you can take the number at the start of a book, for example, 1001, best place to have sex in America. And that number turns into the percentage chance of it sucking ass. So if you have 101 weapons for women, that has a 101% chance of sucking. This is a 1,001% chance of sucking. If you were to write a book, uh, like if Brett Michaels wrote a book that was like 49 ladies I banged last week, that is probably going to be good. Just barely probably. 51%, yeah, that checks out. It's It's solid. Yeah, and I think we can agree that picking up that book, you have about a flippable coin if it's going to be good, right? Yeah, well, I mean, Brett Brett Michaels is one of my favorite authors, so. Yeah, he's a great writer. A very generous lover. I honestly think that guy would fuck eleven times a day if if you let him. He's you, probably got. You, you would have to let him. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> who would? Who would? Ridiculous. Get out of here. You got to hit him in the dick with a CD case to get Brett Michaels out of there. So, <laughs> the thing about this book, One Thousand One Best Places to Have Sex in America, is it's written by these two very square people, Jennifer Hunt and Dan Barrett Baricci, and they they're not a like an aggressively attractive couple. They seem like a nice Mormon couple, like you would just ignore in a Costco. An unlikely sex therapist. Normally with a sex therapist, you sort of think like like a sexy person or just sort of a, an outrageous caricature, like a Dr. Drew or a Dr. Ruth or something. Like, like a silly character that doesn't make you think about sex, but you'll take advice from them about it. Right, you got to uh, be one end of the spectrum and the other. If you're right. just like some guy, then it gets like, what are you luring me into? Like, right. where, where's the van? And How these people look it? like, like they've, they don't fuck. Like they probably make love a few times a month. Like, Boo. yeah, they've, I don't think these people have ever. Boo to making love. So <laughs> sometimes if the mood hits you right, this is not a book for that though. The strange thing about this book is so much of it is just reworded toilets. Like they, they went through a thousand one places to have sex and very technically changed a tiny detail. So it'll be like have sex in the bathroom, have sex in a hotel bathroom, have sex in a restaurant bathroom, have sex in an airport bathroom. And so they're just checking things off desperately trying to get to the fucking end of 1001, which they didn't have to choose. They could have fucking said nine places to have sex in America and fucking write written a nice book. You would have a 91% chance of that being a good book. 
according to the system I invented today. Which, and, to be fair, every example you've given has checked out. <laughs> right. All those are great spots. Just write about the nine toilets you fucked in. <laughs> but the other thing about it is you, you can sort of do the math in your head and realize that they couldn't have possibly tested all these things. They have to be just wildly speculating. Who could do the research on 1,001 best places to have sex in America? Say you fuck three times a day, then you can write this book in about a year. But three times a day is a pretty tall order. Let's say you fuck just once a day. This is a three to four year research project. Right, there's a lot of travel time involved in some of these. Some of these are like in a national park. Yeah. (laughs) You gotta get to a national park. Really specific, like you gotta go to Vegas, you gotta go to Paris. I'm sure that having sex in a different location can add some sort of a memorable aspect to your fucking, but it's, I can't imagine rating it on some sort of a scientific scale, which they do. Every single entry has a best position rating, pros and cons, not to mention... God, I need to find their, their answer key. They, they rate them on ecstasy factor, calorie burn, kink level, and risk. So it has the... Calorie the burn. That's science. Yeah, that's science. Like, that's also really inconsistent. You know what I mean? Like, banging... <laughs> and, it's, and here's the thing I found in the book is that it's provably wrong in several obvious ways. Like, sometimes it's like have sex by a pool, have sex in a pool. And having sex by the pool burns more calories than in the pool. I'm like, that just can't be possible like you're doing you're doing more stuff to not die while you're having sex in the pool it's i don't know again i'm just bragging that i did so well in fourth grade but the book doesn't fourth grade pool sex oh my god my favorite all day in a fourth grade pool sex party (laughs) (laughs) all right okay we'll cut that one okay but okay so here's i'm going to introduce a new segment and it is called Sean Baby's book game. And the great thing about Sean Baby's book game is it has a theme song. So let me cue up this theme song and you are going to play it, Mr. Brockway. You know what time it is. Book game. Sean Baby's book game. That is the theme song to Sean Baby's book game. Now, how we play this game, invented specifically for this book, 1001 Best Places to Have Sex in America. So familiar. (laughs) It's very familiar. Um, How we play this, it's like horse. You're trying to spell penis, which is the same number of letters as horse. Oh, my God. Yeah, that's breaking news. It all makes sense. Yes. You need to get those letters. And the only way to get those letters is to land on a spot in this book that is not a toilet. Now, you're not allowed to pick any number within 50 of the last number you pick. Okay. And you have three lives. If you hit three toilets, you have died and your karate has failed you again. So I, I don't know if I can take another karate failure, man. <laughs> so I'm, I'm rooting I'm for you. Hanging on to life by my teeth right now. Just You need to pick a number between one and 1,001 and you don't want to hit toilets and you need to get five that aren't toilets. And let's see if it's possible if... Dan and Jennifer, maybe they just fuck in too many restrooms for this to be possible, but let's see. All right, I'm, I'm, I'm going to start off with strategy. Number okay. one. Oh, very, very wise. Surely they don't fuck in a toilet right off. You really got to segue into toilet fucking. You, you got yourself a P because number one is on the roof under the stars. This has a very high kink level, which doesn't seem no. accurate. It feels no. very 
feels very square and ordinary to me to just that bang feels on like the teen romance. Yeah, it feels like lovey and like like if you were watching a movie and a couple was looking at the stars and they started fucking, you wouldn't be like, oh my god, what a weird kinky movie. This oh is my god, far is outside this pornography? my one of them this is gonna what, poop on the other one. Uh, the cons are if you have a really steep roof line, this could be quite dangerous, especially if you drink too much. <laughs> So don't fall off the fucking roof. You know, they say warnings are only there because somebody's done it. I, I think somebody <laughs> fell off the roof in the course of this book. I don't think this book has been researched at all. If these people fucked twice during the making of this, from start to finish production of this book, I would be shocked. We're going to have to find that out. We're going to have to research that somehow. <laughs> okay, right, hit so me again. You have a P. You give me a number. It, you can't pick anyone anywhere before Within 50. 51. Yeah. All right. Uh... 917. Okay, okay. Come on, no toilet, no toilet. No toilets, no toilets. Straight fucking, straight fucking, stop. Okay. Big Lick, Kentucky. That's all it says. (laughs) It says, his turn again. Best position is games on or standing oral. So, Big Lick, Kentucky. So, (laughs) it looks like the last hundred are just the names of cities that sound silly. So, So you're you're going to drive to a a perverse city just to fuck in it? (laughs) You drive to that city, you fuck in the city, and then they don't even rate the calories. They're just like, they're just trying to push through to the end of the book. They're just Automatic sex, that must be, if you actually follow through it. Well, we've we've fucked in fuck (laughs) Michigan. Uh, Do you love me anymore? No? Cool. Well, we still got 74 places to fuck. On to hell. On to hell, Kentucky. (laughs) <laughs> so um you got yourself an e and uh they got themselves an entry legally that does count as one of the 1001 places to have sex so congratulations to dan and jennifer imagine buying this book and, and me wanting real sex and, and of course you we'll see you have, you, you have three lives left but you still need three more letters okay okay I'm rooting I for you this. i can do this give me give me another number this is this is tough 666. Give me the devil's number. That's got to be a non-toilet theme. They're going to do something cute. They're going to do, do some sort of cute fucking fun. In an igloo. Congratulations. You've got a third what? letter. This has... You threw away the entire... <laughs> an ig- Oh, this is great. It explains what a fucking igloo is. An igloo is basically a small dome built with blocks of hardened snow. Ideally, you'll find an igloo that's already been built. <laughs> if not... You're going to have to keep that boner up in strenuous conditions for a very long time. (laughs) One of the pros is you'll stay relatively warm in the igloo. Relatively. (laughs) Compared to the outside of the igloo, I suppose that's true. You won't freeze to death. If you have to build your own igloo, you may be too exhausted to have sex. Maybe in the morning, you'll have the energy to enjoy the fruits of your labor. Because everyone loves the smell of someone who's gone to bed in an igloo covered in igloo sweat. Waking up and, <laughs> and just having morning breath, body odor, sex, and has had just a really rough night's sleep in the and freezing it, wilderness, right. and then almost All had to eat collapsed. a seal blubber. I just right. And let's be clear, that thing has collapsed. You fucking don't know how to build an yeah, igloo. You didn't build the igloo. Well. You. Your plane Damn. just crashed. You're trying to survive. You're not going to get fucked in that igloo. Mm-hmm. But uh, three out of five kink factor, five out of five calorie burning. Uh, so well, yeah, the cold. I'll give it. I'll give you that one. Seems all right. So congratulations to uh, to you on your three letters. You might get through okay. this without a single toilet. Okay. Okay. Seven twenty. Seven twenty. Here we go. Seven twenty. Come on. Come on. 
I need at that the penis. top of the Sears Tower in Chicago. You have a P-E-N-I. Enjoy your love. I am a penis. Overlooking the skyline of Chicago, Illinois. <laughs> the pros are you get to experience the incredible view while you orgasm. Right, you're not I coming. Don't think, yeah, I don't think you're going to get to climax before you're kicked out by one of the yeah, thousands of, of tourists. Yeah, first of all, there's a lot of people there. Second mm-hmm. of all, this high stress scenario. If you manage to fuck in front of like 85 tourists, many of which are children on educational field trips, <laughs> and you orgasm in front of that, I you yeah, need to I, die in prison. It's only four out of five kink factors, which I think that might be where the kink come fr- comes from. Is that there's probably some children and maybe relatives watching. Like, but the cons are crime. I mean, same thing. I think that's sort of where they throw the crime stuff because the other four don't have anything to do with crime. Crime's a kink, sure. Yeah, I think so. All right. Um, Shit, where am I going for my last one? It does mention that it is a public place, so you have to wait for the right time and find the exact right place. And then just orgasm within the 30 seconds that you go to town. Yeah, just go go after it quick. Okay, just one more and you will win. Sean Baby's book game. Ooh, I kind of I kind of don't want to win without getting at least one toilet, though. That's just not good comedy. <laughs> uh, what's a good toilet number? Man, what is a toilet number? Whisper I'm honestly a toilet number. It's more than 20% toilet in this book, so statistically you should have hit one by now. Well, I started off with a really good strategy. Yeah, yeah really you only have yourself this. to blame. You did not attack this in a gentlemanly way. I didn't, I'm not saying you're cheating, but... You're, you're strategically playing not in the spirit of the game. All right. How about... God, I can't think of a good toilet number. I was going to say <laughs> 69 because they would have done it, but if they're not taking the devil's number, they're not going to take that bait either. <laughs> you're right. 69 is not a toilet. It's a coat right. closet. But we're not going to count that one. We're going to win it fair and square. All right. Let's, let's think this through. Toilet, have, you have to run out kind of late in the game. I don't think too late in the game because then you were just naming places. So I think <laughs> 814 is prime toilet spot. That is, let's see, 814. Under a church pew, whether you're religious Damn. or not, there's something sexy and definitely forbidden about having sex underneath a church pew. Well, yes, they do not want you to have right. sex. Like, it's, it's a public actually, place. There's it not would... something forbidden about, there's like a law. It would be pretty repulsive to literally anyone who finds you doing this or finds the aftermath of this. Like if someone sees like a puddle of fluids and determines that someone has had sex here, no one's going to be happy about that. They'll think what unspeakable people did this. And then that's part of it. You go to church afterwards. (laughs) The pros are it's forbidden. It's lusty. What's not to love? (laughs) How about my prize for winning? Yeah. Is you give me one of the toilet entries. Okay. Let me just go back a page and find, um, let's see if find a toilet. There's no toilet on that page. Um, God, they're all so strange. Like Pet Cemetery. I think that's a strange one. I think the come, back of a Come back to life. Curse, you know what? I wish. The reason there's no toilets in the, the section we were in is called the most sacrilegious places to have sex. Oh my God. And so, like, I guess the toilets are just, nah, that's what they're for is to fucking a toilet. Yeah. Um, I don't know karate, but I do know penis. <laughs> Let's see. Um, that seems like a freeze frame moment. Oh, I was hoping frame. it would just oh, happen. Oh, I was oh, hoping if oh. I could find that moment in life, I think I was it just would too, just stop. Uh, I'm too entranced by this book. Just like the first time I picked it up, where 
the thing about these absurd books is like, I sometimes kind of have to dig to find what makes them crazy. And this book is just so nakedly crazy. Every fucking syllable. I did uh, land on 606 in the ladies room. Like it took him 605 to think of this. Like you could just like fucking put in the bathroom. Have we, have we qualified the bathroom with ladies room yet? And she's like, I don't care, Dan. Just fucking put it down. I'm so tired of working on this book with you. My vagina is sore from having sex several times. Talk about a team project that would just ruin a relationship. Almost any, like building Ikea furniture will ruin your relationship. Right. Why did you think you could find a thousand places to fuck in? Who would survive personally, much less I, as a couple. I've been in so many toxic relationships where the only thing we have is physical chemistry. And I wouldn't write Let's this book ruin it any of Systematically right. devise a system for ruining our sexual chemistry. Absolutely. Fucking. And then let's just at the end when they wrote the last word on this book, they went, yep, never going to yeah. see you again. Right. Right. <laughs> well, they did take down their um, their website. They had a website called askdanandjennifer.com. And I, the book claims that they were very popular YouTubers, but I, I found no trace of them on the Internet, really. And this, their website, I think, might still be them, but it's it's just sells dildos and like dick creams and stuff. It's the most generic, like sex it's just, product. It's just website. Dan. It's Dan with <laughs> it's like a Jennifer t- blow up doll that he's named <laughs> Jennifer. He just cries. He's like, we once had sex a thousand one times to write a book. We fucking big lick Kentucky. Still, I can't use the bathroom without thinking of you, babe. babe. <laughs> uh, I did uh, mention this one in the article. Uh, 574 is in the kitchen wearing a sombrero and slathered in refried beans and soured cream. So like, LOL, so random. LOL, so random, right? Like, what the fuck? It, it pisses me off so bad that this whole book has sort of an air of like whimsy, like, oh, we're kind of, this is a little bit silly. And then there's one that's just like, let's just fucking make some dumb shit up. Like, what a hilarious joke it'll be. Like, we're fucking at an alien spaceship. Oh my God, so random. Tacos, this one's in the right? back of the police car. Tacos. Well, yeah, you'd have this to. This is very culturally sensitive. <laughs> you'd have to fuck in the back of the police car after fucking in the church and in on the Sears Tower. You're just, you're like Batman villains. 571 is in the back of a police car. Hop in the back and have some criminal sex while your friend, the cop, drives with the sirens on. You could even handcuff each other to the car. You'll have to have a good connection to make this one happen, but it'll be great fun. Pros, Imagine. if you're going to have sex in a car, do it right in a police car. Cons, finding the cop who's willing to play along. Right, like, yeah, like finding... What a f- fucking fictional world they live in that, like, why not? Just throw it in the book. Maybe they'll know a cop that wants to watch him fuck. I'll throw away my career and everything right. I've worked for in my life to, right. to have this you friendship. stain my backseat. Let's not, let's, let's be clear. This, the friendship is going to take, it's going to get a little strained. Like, like, I don't you know. Imagine the pair of them networking, there. trying to find that cop, just right. like cozying up to every cop. Like, they say, "You're doing a really good job. We just wanted to thank you for your service." I noticed you're letting us smoke weed here. How do you feel about sex crimes? <laughs> well, I'm not on the clock. Okay, we want to fuck in your car while you have the siren on. No, well, no, that would, be, that would be on the clock then, wouldn't no. it? <laughs> Let me uh, share my screen again because I'm gonna play. The theme song I worked very, very hard on. And congratulations, Robert Brockway, on winning the first ever Sean Baby's book game. Just dominating. Dominated. Five out of five. 
I think uh, people will absolutely forget your your lukewarm karate performance. Book game. Brockway's book game. Brockway's took that, book game. took that fucking song from you. It's yours. You can have it. <laughs> I, got, I got everything I needed out of it. So Me let's too. thank some more sponsors. I think yeah. it's time to call it a podcast. Thank you for, for doing this with me. And I hope it helps people understand a little more about the insane products that, uh, that you and I uh, uh, deal with on a day-to-day basis. I want to thank really. Yanis Ioannidis. That's a very difficult name. I think I got it right. Uh, John McCammon, Armando Nava, Lyman, Polly Poiswo, Zdarfan. Ooh, I don't know that one. Micah Phillips, Neil Schaefer, Jaber al Aiden, David Fornoff, the artist formerly known as Devin, Eric Spalding, Toasty God, Neil Bailey, Josh Fabian, Michael Love, Kale Block, Zach Harrison, Brienne Whitney, Timmy Leahy, Ethan Wrangle, Mike Stiles, and Aiden Mouet. We got through them all. Thank you very much to all our Hot Dog Supreme sponsors. Truly, you are better human beings than any other human being and should immediately start behaving like that. Oh, that's the, that's the signal. That's the signal the dog barking means it's time to go. That Send we're going us to end every podcast with from now on. <laughs> it's perfect. All right. Bye, hot dog people. Stay hot dog. <laughs>